This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. I want you to think about the moments that define history, the moments that stopped time and made us reconsider everything we thought we knew about humanity. The assassination of John F. Kennedy on a sunny Dallas afternoon. Two planes crash into the World Trade Center on the same day that Mariah Carey's glitter soundtrack is released. Ariana Grande gets engaged to Pete Davidson and the phrase Big Dick Energy is born. And just as quickly, never used correctly again. The moment you first heard that America's dad, Tom Hanks, had contracted the novel coronavirus and Marnie's mom from Girls, Rita Wilson, had it too. Where were you when the world as you knew it shifted? How did it feel? Did you believe it? And if you'd known then what you know now, would you have run from that reality? Or would you have leaned in, devoured every scandalous morsel of information you could get from any person with enough time, motivation, and liquid capital to order a podcasting mic off the internet? Maybe diving headfirst into a sea of data gave you some sense of control over a situation you didn't yet understand. Or maybe it simply drove you deeper and deeper into a scandal so confusing, so outrageous, so steeped in the mysterious happenings of Coachella and something called the Life is Beautiful Festival that not even the people's journalist Andy Cohen could make sense of it. Hey, everybody. 
Welcome to What's What Happens Live. I am your host, Andy Cohen. It's wild in here. We are live in the Bravo Clubhouse in New York City, joined by a woman who probably didn't realize that when she hired a bartender named Tom a decade ago, she'd unleash a chain of stirring events that would leave the Bravo-verse shaken. Please welcome the On Friday, host. March 3rd at 12.06 p.m., an article went live on TMZ.com. 10 sentences, five stylistically questionable ellipses, and 623 words, all preceded by one unbelievable headline. Tom Sandoval and Ariana Maddox call it quits. Allegations he cheated with co-star Raquel Levis. Raquel Levis of the Arizona Levises. This info drop read like a chaotic Bravo Mad Libs. Sure, Raquel was a well-known fan-slash-participant on the once-popular reality TV show Vanderpump Rules. And sure, Tom Sandoval and Ariana Maddox had long starred on that reality TV show. But the preseason rumors had suggested that Raquel was involved in an entirely different ill-fated dalliance with an entirely different Tom. Tom Schwartz, best friend of Tom Sandoval, and soon-to-be ex-husband of Ariana's business partner, the dangerously misunderstood Katie Maloney. Four episodes into season 10 of Vanderpump Rules, with not so much as a whiff of TMZ-worthy drama on screen so far, this headline felt impossible to make sense of. And perhaps even more stunning than the news itself was the public's passionate response to it. Sandoval, Ariana, and Raquel were not exactly Brad, Jen, and Angie at the time of this news. The year is 2023, and we don't really care about Vanderpump Rules anymore. The spaces in our brains once reserved for marveling at the dripping AC units of these 20-somethings apartments or trying to sort out why one man would choose to go raw nips, no tea, under a shawl neck cardigan in Las Vegas, well, those frontal lobes had long been paved as smooth as the semicircle driveways of these now 30-somethings McMansions. Or had they? Because here we were, 10 years and nine seasons after Vanderpump Rules premiered, enraptured once more by mistress allegations. On a random day in March, it felt impossible to make sense of this news and even more impossible to make sense of the volatile way it was affecting the public's consciousness. But in the place of logic grew something else entirely, something sinister and sort of delicious, a species of pop culture so invasive, but altogether intoxicating that it could not be stopped. Even when your thumbs begged you to log off TikTok and your brain wailed for a break from Reddit. What we'd stumbled upon that Friday afternoon was a scandal. And that scandal soon had a name in the form of pop culture's greatest stamp of approval, the portmanteau. Yes, on March 3rd at 12.06 p.m., the world as we knew it shifted. Vanderpump Rules couple Tom Sandoval and Ariana Maddox calling it quits. After cheating allegations surface, Tom reportedly hooking up with co-star Raquel Leves. 
That original TMZ headline and the many more that soon followed were accompanied by photos of Tom Sandoval and Ariana Maddox looking like the mostly happy couple we'd previously understood them to be. But more suspiciously, they were accompanied by photos of Tom Sandoval and part-time server Raquel Levis also looking like a happy couple, followed by photos of Tom, Raquel, and Ariana looking like a happy thruple, followed by Tom, alone, wearing borrowed women's clothing and a party city wig, looking like a happy Raquel Levis. Here's Bravo content creator Ginny Blaze shocking tenured TMZ host to silence with the sordid details of this affair, which extended far beyond one mind-blowing headline. Speaking of disguises, who wears a costume of their mistress for Halloween when you are hanging out with both your girlfriend and your mistress? Wait, I feel like wait, I'm wait, taking wait, 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 I need to know about that. Speed on that one. Okay, hold on, wait. Tom, Tom wore a costume, he went as Raquel? Yes! I didn't know that. Uh, well, we didn't what? know that, I'm We sorry. didn't know that! <laughs> is that so, or is that true? Yes, there's pictures of it. How do we make sense of these images? What did they mean to us on that day nine long months ago, and what do they mean to us now? For longtime viewers of Vanderpump Rules, this headline, these photos, this unbelievable allegation raised questions like, why would Tom have cheated on Ariana Maddox, the woman he once went through all the trouble of cheating on Kristen Doty with? Where could he have found the time to conduct a full-blown secret love affair in between hiring a brass section for his cover band, picking out statement wallpaper for his tenuously funded cocktail bars, and buying dozens of new wide-brimmed hats every day. But for the less informed, it raised questions like, why does this matter? Who are these people? How do I stop seeing photos of this man dressed up as this woman? And most pressingly, what the hell? is a scandal. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is an American scandal. One story in three parts about a reality TV scandal so unbelievable that it dominated the zeitgeist, revived a dying franchise with an unexpected jolt to the Bravo ecosystem, and generated hundreds of conspiracy theories, thousands of podcast episodes, and millions of dollars in revenue for the very people it also harmed. It's the story of an affair carried out under the noses of a deeply strange and incestuous friend group, coupled with the story of a notoriously ravenous reality TV fan base, made all the more hungry by the rare opportunity to play detective in real time. I'm your host, Jody Walker, pop culture journalist, reality TV historian, co-host of the Morally Corrupt podcast. And for four months this year, my job very nearly overlapped with reporting the actual news. If you're someone who's well-versed in the reality TV dark arts, then like me, you reveled in those first weeks and months of Scandaval. 
when your coworkers, brothers-in-law, and more peripheral members of your group text were coming to you, yes, you, a little trash monster, for a knowledgeable breakdown of current events. All of our work, all of the hours of TV watched, a decade of consumption, and years of existential reckonings caused by merely observing a person such as Jax Taylor were finally paying off in a perfect storm of illicit cultural currency. Or maybe you were that coworker or that brother-in-law who knew nothing of Sandoval's or Rachel's, who sought answers from friends and lovers who suddenly had bulletin boards in their bathrooms tracking lightning bolt necklaces to printouts of Instagram posts with red yarn. Maybe in return, you received nothing but more confusing terms like Pumptini and DJ James Kennedy and Jiggy, may he rest in peace. And maybe at this point, Scandaval novices and savants alike have given up on ever cracking why we became so obsessed with the strange case of a man who shaves his forehead, a woman who changed her name, and the innocent person they harmed with their galaxy lights and deception. To that, I say, don't. Don't give up. Because when a moment captures the public's attention like this, there is a reason. I will always remember where I was when I heard Mm -hmm. about the planes flying into Tom and Ariana. Like, how dare you? So according to TMZ, Ariana and Tom Sandoval have officially broken up because Tom Sandoval- Where were you when you heard the news? (laughs) Rotten hell is right. Rot in hell. What that man did was so nasty and so rude. Because this is one of those moments where it's like, where were you when it happened? I would love us to do a round table of where- This is like a 9-11 moment, okay? This is emotional (laughs) terrorism, okay? What do you mean why you should care? Hello, this is a big deal. They've been together for over a decade. And then Raquel comes in? Raquel? And like, okay. I didn't even see the affair part. And I literally go. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. A true gap. At times when you're pouring over a 56 by 56 PDF timeline of someone else's relationship, the obsession can feel undignified. Like after months of investigation and unerring interest and murder boarding a non-murder, it all still amounts to nothing. Like, we'll forever be asking questions with no answers. But another part of me knows that scandals always scream the loudest because they have something to say. Something to tell us about our world and our obsessions, what entertains us and what disgusts us. That at the end of Scandaval, or at least here at the end of the year of Scandaval, we might finally be able to squeeze from the universe of clues and discoveries why this affair, of all affairs, so captured our attention, our time, and our For You pages. But to answer these questions, we have to go back in time. A time before Lisa Vanderpump had introduced us to her hot and bothered waitstaff, before Lisa Rinna had cracked a glass over a table in Amsterdam, a time before Raquel Levis had even graduated from high school. Back to a time when Bravo fans were obsessing over an entirely different affair. 
because we may still not know where Scandaval ends, but we certainly know where it started. The year is 2011, and the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills are very into statement sleeves. There's not a bicep, elbow, or wrist left free of a sequin, cold shoulder cutout, or the all-powerful bell sleeve on the likes of Kyle Richards and Adrian Maloof. As season two nears its conclusion, Lisa Vanderpump is hosting a launch party for the new lounge at her restaurant, Sir. Today's the day of the fabulous opening party for Sir. We need to get this trash. The party is pure chaos. Taylor Armstrong has shown up with a psychiatrist as her plus one to help her explain to the other women that she's leaving her husband, Russell, and that she does regret serving them with restraining orders. As well. Friends do not threaten other friends. I agree, I would never threaten you. Kim Richards has locked herself in yet another bathroom to get a break from her terrible, awful, no good boyfriend, Ken, who Brandy Glanville quickly humbles to dust with her signature snark. Did you say something about me in Hawaii? Because I heard something. I said you were a gay mobile mastiff. That's I'm what I said. What? I said you looked <laughs> like, like a gay bull mastiff. What that's the f- is that that's it now? means nothing. What does it mean? A gay bull mastiff? You're a gay giant dog? Exactly. She's calling you a gay dog. Yeah, I got that. And Sheena Shea? Sheena Marie Shea is serving mini quiches while wearing enough bottom eyeliner to safely guide a plane toward landing. Because, of course, Sheena isn't a housewife. She's too young for that, too working class. No, Sheena is a new staff member at Lisa Vanderpump's restaurant, Sir. Well, technically, she and all of the other members of the wait staff are servers. Because Sir doesn't stand for the formal way to address a gentleman or an unconjugated Spanish linking verb. It's an acronym for Sexy Unique Restaurant. And Sheena Shea has recently done something very sexy and unique indeed. She's conducted a years-long affair with Eddie Cibrian, the husband of Beverly Hills housewife Brandy Glanville, who just casually told a man that he looks like a gay bull mastiff. Less sexy, but perhaps even more unique, was Eddie Cibrian's decision to then cheat on his mistress, Sheena Shea, with a whole other and much more public mistress, country singer Leanne Rimes. Rest assured, Eddie Cibrian, your podcast is coming. The night is gonna get to you. The night is gonna get to Brandy found out about her husband's many affairs for the first time when it was revealed in the press that Eddie and Leanne Rimes had started a relationship on the set of a Lifetime movie based on a Nora Roberts novel. It was appropriately titled Nora Roberts' Northern Lights. The affair was an affront to Brandy and all lovers of pop culture on three counts, and now a fourth. Because on this day, at this sexy, unique restaurant, Brandy has spotted her husband's lesser mistress in the wild for the first time since learning of his affairs. An expert in the Bravo craft, Brandy laughs to her friends nonchalantly that she's just spotted that Shanna Marie girl. 
You guys are so funny. The waitress is that girl, Shanna, Marie, whatever, that had an affair with Eddie while I was pregnant. Oh, did I mention that Brandy was pregnant while her husband was having an affair with a 26-year-old server who he then cheated on with country singer Leanne Rimes? Sheena might appreciate if I also mentioned that she claims she didn't know Eddie was married, and then once she did know, she believed that he was separated. But Brandy might further appreciate if I mentioned that she doesn't really give a fuck about the minutia. One of Eddie's mistresses is a waitress at Sir, and I'd never seen her in person before. I just saw her on TV crying over losing her boyfriend, who was my husband, to Leanne. Oh, you're the girl that has sex with my husband. Yeah. My personal problem about Brandy, I kind of used to date her husband. That's Brandy casually notifying Sheena that she sees her, that she already knows she's the girl who had an affair with her husband, and that her mini quiches are bullshit. Once notified of this unforeseeable social faux pas that she absolutely planned and executed to televise perfection, Lisa Vanderpump magnanimously releases Sheena from her server duties before there's ever any true confrontation. But this party ultimately launched much more than just a new lounge at Sir. It laid the foundation for a decade-spanning reality TV spinoff that has, to date, spawned 10 seasons, two marriages, one divorce, and one genre-defining, podcast-inspiring scandal. Those of us who are like OG Beverly Hills watchers recall when Sheena and Brandy Granville got into it. Um, there was like a confrontation between Brandy and Sheena like back in the old days because Sheena was the mistress who aided and abetted uh, the great breakup between Brandy and her husband at the time, who's now married to Leanne Rimes. Anyway, um, off topic. No, no, very on topic. That's journalist Hannah Selinger, who coined the Scandaval portmanteau, by the way. But we're not quite there yet. For now, Hannah is explaining that for those of us who watched Bravo early and often back in the day, this was the moment when Vanderpump Rules truly began. And when another affair reared its ugly head, it was hard not to think of its adulterous foundation from over a decade before. And I'm looking across the table at her going, she's number three of like 100. Do you know what I'm saying? There's so many and there will be more to come, I'm sure. But you can't steal someone's husband. You have to be willing to go. You can't steal someone's husband. They have to be willing to go. Put a pin in that piece of Brandy Glanville wisdom for now. Eventually, Brandy and that Shanna Marie girl did hash out their tension over drinks at Sir in a season three episode of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills called, you guessed it, Vanderpump Rules. He told me he loved me. He bought me diamond earrings. He took me on trips. Brandy shockingly lets Sheena leave this conversation with her earring holes intact, scarring her only with vague advisements to never let herself be the other woman again. It's a warning that will continue to be passed down from generation to generation of Vanderpump Rules mistresses. And love her, hate her, or barely tolerate her, 
We must thank Mother Sheena for being at the tippy top of that unholy Vanderpump lineage. I started watching in 2013 when it began. I'll never forget Sheena walking out of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and into Vanderpump Rules. In footage that seems to have been lost to the 2010s internet, but that I know exists because of the oral accounts from original Vanderpump fans, such as my colleague, Juliet Lippman, Sheena Shea walks away from her conversation with Brandy in the Sir dining room, through the kitchen, just past that now infamous alleyway dumpster behind Sir, and into the next televised decade of her life. Without so much as a warning or a title card, Sheena's therapeutic stroll across Sir seamlessly transitioned an episode of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills into the first ever episode of Vanderpump Rules. At the time, there was a common sentiment among Housewives fans that they'd been tricked into watching a trashier television show than they'd originally signed up for that evening. And to reiterate, the convincing moments of Vanderpump Rules did involve immediate adjacency to actual trash. But the dupe sentiment mostly came from viewers who were solely interested in watching the rich women of major metropolitan cities argue at themed cocktail parties. For a different kind of viewer though, perhaps someone with a more open mind and a more depleted bank account, Bravo was dipping its toes into something very intriguing indeed relatable reality television. For Hannah Selinger, this transition was the perfect kind of alleyway dumpster trash. So for me, Vanderpump was kind of this like perfect marriage. It was this perfect storm of like restaurant culture, which I was so deeply familiar with and like all of the seedy underbelly of restaurants and reality television, which is like, you know, highly produced, but also really entertaining to those of us who like just kind of need to like put our brain on pause. Sure, it was a little sneaky not to warn us that we were now watching a Lisa Vanderpump spinoff where the men wore their shirts unbuttoned down to their navels. But what else would you expect from the Vanderpump rules we'd come to know and love? Even my ringer colleague and morally corrupt co-host Chelsea Stark-Jones who resisted watching Vanderpump Rules in the beginning because she found it a little too relatable, found herself giving in soon enough. They were going to all the restaurants that I had been to, to the bars. They were doing the same things I was doing. And I felt like I related so much to these people. I found their drama to be so petty, but also when you're in that time of your life and you're like mid-20s, like everything just seems so extreme and so important. And so it was really fun to watch it. It was fun because for the young and striving cast of Vanderpump Rules, a signature cocktail could mean an elaborately shaken martini. Or more often, it could mean tequila, pulled directly from the bottle while rotting in a hotel bed with four of their closest friends and lovers on yet another harrowing trip to Las Vegas. The fun was in the extremity of the behavior. These friends didn't just drink, they worked and lived in bars. They didn't just fight, 
They split into factions, built up arsenals of secrets, and went to war. They didn't just wear clothes. They wore bobble necklaces and company-mandated handkerchief dresses. No one oversized two can pull off a sir uniform. It's basically just a nothing piece of fabric that is somehow appropriate to wear in a restaurant. You have boobs flopping as you're serving food. Your tape show. It takes me about 25 minutes every day that I wear it to tape myself into it to make sure I'm not just falling out all over the place. Honestly, most of the girls at Sir, I don't even think own bras. And these new kids on the Bravo block didn't just date one another. They destroyed each other. But Vanderpump Rules was still anchored by the glamorous Lisa Vanderpump and her queen-like reign over the sexy happenings of the West Hollywood restaurant circuit, which she describes thusly in the series premiere. Ken and I have two restaurants in California. Hey, hi. Villa is where you take your wife and says, where you take your mistress. Eerily prophetic words. Perhaps if Bravo had just focused its Vanderpump spinoff on Villa Blanca, where Sheena Shea and Ariana Maddox originally worked, and where you can comfortably take your wife, then the entire institution of marriage could have been saved all those years ago. But that's not what happened. Vanderpump rules followed the sexy, unique misadventures of the bartenders, servers, and occasionally even busboys of Sir. Sir is eclectic, it's the lighting, it's the ambiance, and the people that work here. Hi Following this statement in the series premiere, the camera immediately pans over to Jax Taylor, Tom Sandoval, and Tom Schwartz, whose contributions to Sir Lisa Vanderpump has just more or less equated to a lamps. And for the record, Jax is wearing an anchor necklace so large that one could easily imagine giving it a tug and turning on some ambient lighting somewhere. But the men and women of Sir weren't there to be lamps. And they weren't actually there to wait tables either. One way or another, they were at Sir to become famous. The servers all want to be models, actors, writers, singers. The servers at other Hollywood restaurants just want to be waiters at Sir. That's Stassi, a permanently upset, impressively hostile alpha blonde who leads the trio of female best friends who date the trio of previously listed male lamps that round out the Vanderpump Rules cast. None of those people are Peter Madrigal, a Sir manager and permanent friend of in Bravo parlance, who first introduces BPR's new audience to the Sir staff's complicated social dynamics. Sir is a bit of a merry-go-round when it comes to relationships. I used to date Stassi, who's now with Jax, who used to live with Tom, who is now dating Kristen, who's best friends with Stassi and Kate. Oh, and uh, Katie and I also hooked up, but now she's dating Tom Schwartz, who used to live with Tom Sandoval and Kristen. Yeah, it's a little crazy. Peter is giving himself a heavy role in that lineup, but otherwise, he's not far off. If he had a crystal ball, however, he might eventually revise his statement to say that Stassi dates Jax, who will eventually cheat on her with Kristen, who dates Tom Sandoval, who will eventually cheat on her with Ariana Maddox after Kristen first cheats on him with Jax. When Tom and Kristen break up, 
Kristen goes on to revenge date James, Sandoval's ex-almost roommate, who Sandoval eventually gets back at, I guess, by cheating on Ariana with James's former fiance, Raquel. What's interesting about reminiscing with other longtime Vanderpump fans is remembering who exactly dominated the show's storylines early on. It wasn't Tom or Ariana. It was Jackson Stassi. Of course, the only person who wouldn't have been surprised by this recollection, even 10 years before I'm having it, is Stassi Schroeder. Me and Jax just kind of bring everyone together. You know, the boys are drawn to him and then the girls are drawn to me. So we kind of just lead the pack. (laughs) You really hate to tell someone with such a severe case of main character syndrome that, in fact, they're right. They are the main character. But she is right. Sure, Kristen and Katie and Tom Sandoval were around in season one. But it cannot be overstated how much the inner workings of Jax's pathological lying and Stasi's pathological social dominance captured the attention of early Vanderpump fans. When new people come in, if I don't like them, I try and make them quit. Seriously. I have made girls quit by just being mean to them because I thought they were assholes. Jax Taylor especially was a singularly fascinating creature to encounter on our televisions. I can remember as far back as 2013, listening to Juliette Littman analyze the young people of Vanderpump Rules with her co-host David Jacoby on their reality TV podcast, The Right Reasons. We loved Vanderpump like right away. And Vanderpump was... Like a pretty, I I think it remains a pretty like true look at the sort of aspiring set of people who moved to LA, like looking for fame. And there was just so many things about it that really rang true. The person who fascinated them most though, and again, you hate to give this to someone who would get so very much from you saying it, was Jax Taylor. Jax is someone that you could spend, you know, your entire thesis writing about, like the rise and fall of Jax and like all of the ways in which he embodies an era of reality TV and an era of celebrity and, and all these things. Just like from his own plastic surgery to paying for his wife's plastic surgery to importing a girlfriend to just being a liar to owning who he is to befriending other reality stars. And while there's no denying the legacy of Jax's misadventures on Vanderpump Rules, the fact is... Jax is no longer the Vanderpump Rules star we're talking about on podcasts. Jax is now seemingly happily married to the woman who once requested, in an accent very foreign to West Hollywood, that he rot in hell. Rotten hell. A few months ago, Jax was one of the people starting a podcast in order to grab his slice of the Scandaval pie. A pie he for once, had no part in stealing off the windowsill. So 10 years after Jax lied to Stasi about getting another woman pregnant in Vegas and later lied to Brittany about Faith and lied basically every time he opened his mouth on screen, you have to wonder whether Jax's bad behavior was so fascinating simply because it was so blatant. But you also have to wonder then if it might be possible that his brazen lying, cheating, and deceiving 
was simultaneously functioning as a sort of smokescreen, a shield for something or someone whose behavior was just as bad and made all the more insidious because he'd been hiding in plain sight this whole time. There's so much to say about Jax. Sandoval, there's really not, in my opinion. Like, he's not that interesting. He's not that smart. He's not that diabolical. He's just a dirtbag. And he's a cheating dirtbag. And I, I just didn't have that on my bingo card, though. You know, like, I didn't think that he would be in that role. But then, of course, you know, now we have 10 seasons of evidence. You can go back and sort of, like, piece together a personality or, like, a, a profile of a guy who adds up to that. But I just didn't really see it coming. So what is the secret equation that adds up to the totality of a man who would conduct a seven-month affair behind the back of his girlfriend of nine years with one of her best friends under the noses of millions of fans and dozens of reality television producers while filming a TV show? What does that man look like? How does he act? Who's he hurting? And how did we all manage to miss it for 10 years? I don't know. I just can't believe I spent so much time on Tom Sandoval. Me neither, Juliet. Me neither. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says, Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. 
When we first encountered Tom Sandoval 10 years ago in season one of Vanderpump Rules, he was a sir bartender, a model, an aspiring musician, and had appeared uncredited in one episode of The Hills. But there's really one main thing that people remember about his introduction to America. He would shave his forehead, not just like his, you know, the typical beard mustache area. He was always very vain. The moment I saw him shaving his forehead, I knew that this guy was bad news. I hear it over and over again. The only thing fans remember about Tom Sandoval in season one of Vanderpump Rules is that he shaved his forehead. Now we might call that dermaplaning. But in 2013, watching Tom Sandoval take a regular razor to his forehead was of note. It wasn't until season two that Tom really began making a splash because of his complicated relationship with girlfriend Kristen Doty. This is Kristen describing Tom in season one of Vanderpump Rules. Sexiest person that serves my boyfriend, Tom. Hands down, he's the hottest bartender in LA. This is Kristen describing Tom one episode later. Tom doesn't like to open his mail, ever. So he got his license suspended. You got my boots? I'm Tom Schoeper. Drives me nuts. You remember what it's like to date in your 20s, right? By night, you're dating this cool, hot bartender. But in the cold light of day, you're his chauffeur and all of your razors are missing and you start to wonder if he was ever really that cool to begin with. And what if I told you that he definitely wasn't? That he was a striver at best, a manipulative fraud at worst? Despite being an original Vanderpump Rules cast member and one of the only three original servers still on the show, Tom Sandoval has never been the star of Vanderpump Rules. Well, had never been the star. It was Dossie's show. It was Jax's show. It was never the Sandoval show, but he was really like part of the DNA of like the striver energy that I think really defines Vanderpump. Even when they got richer and more famous. Tom Sandoval wasn't a breakout, but he was something. He was earnest, or he seemed earnest. My colleague Amelia Wedemeyer would even call him endearing at times. He had such good shields in like, Jax, who is a piece of shit. And like, James is also a piece of shit. And and even Tom Schwartz, he's a pretty big idiot. And he, Tom Sandoval, there's moments on the show where he seems, and I think he can be, um, like kind of a really stand-up guy. You know, he was one of the only people to, him and Ariana, to be like, Jax, Brittany, what are you doing with this anti-gay pastor and stuff? And you know, and so that, like, endears me to him. Personally, I wouldn't go that far. But there has always been an earnestness to Tom Sandoval that, if not endearing exactly, at least provided a good laugh. Growing up, I played with Legos. I always had a lot of success with them. What is this, a f-ing kindergarten project? I mean, how hard could it be? That's Sandoval earnestly explaining that he can prove he's a caring boyfriend to Kristen by putting together an Ikea table because he played with Legos as a kid. Ultimately, Kristen puts the table together herself, but that's not really the part you hang on to as an audience. 
Somehow, what always stood out most about Tom Sandoval were his idiosyncrasies, his flair for the dramatic, as Juliet notes here. When he and James first went to the recording studio in Glendale in like season like five, and like I was like, wow, this guy loves music and he loves his trumpet. I was like, I don't know that I'll ever love anything the way that Sandoval loves this. And his flair for drama and the way that he just like loves theatrics always really stuck out to me. And so he was always like a joke in like, but like in a fun way. In comparison to Jack's cheating on Brittany with Faith while an elderly woman was asleep in the same room or Tom Schwartz throwing drinks on his fiance's head, Tom Sandoval's obsession with his trumpet was practically a declaration of morality. Here's Amelia again. Even now, I mean, like, yes, I know he's a piece of shit, but also there were flashes of like, this guy's a good guy. And, you know, he's just out here. He's a struggling bartender. He's just trying to make music. He's just trying to be an actor, you know? And and he's funny too. I think not intentionally, but unintentionally, everyone on that show is hilarious, including Tom Sandoval. Like him talking to Stasi about making out with Ariana at the Golden Nugget, hilarious. Like that's, that is pure comedic gold to me. After months of insisting to his girlfriend, Kristen, that he had never done anything with season two's new sir bartender, Ariana Maddox, Tom finally admitted to Stasi on camera that when he and Ariana worked together at Villa Blanca, they had made out in, you guessed it, Las Vegas. I need you to kind of explain to me what's going on because I know you think Indeed like, or you want? I want. Three years ago, me and Ariana made out in a swimming pool at the Golden Nugget. Yes, that did happen. The Golden Nugget? Yeah. That's like an all-time love. Are you kidding me? I love that place. All of my friends are... And Amelia is right. Tom's loyalty to the disgusting golden nugget in this moment is very funny. And yes, I'll admit, somewhere close to endearing. It almost distracts from the fact that Tom was absolutely starting an emotional affair with Ariana while he was still dating Kristen. It almost distracts from the fact that he was gaslighting Kristen on the daily, telling her that she was jealous and paranoid for thinking anything physical had ever happened between him and Ariana. And it almost distracts from the fact that he was making Ariana keep their kiss a secret and lie to her new coworkers, which he does at least eventually own up to. He told me that you guys were like breaking up. Wait, Tom, did you say we were breaking up? Tom, Ariana saying that you told her that you said we were breaking up. Is that is that what happened? No, I'm sorry, but I don't remember saying that. But you just like said that he told you we were Oh up. no, I had that wrong. Brave little toaster Tom doesn't own up to lying to Ariana or lying to Kristen. No, he cowers by the alley dumpster while his current girlfriend yells at his future girlfriend. And once he's forced to enter the fray, he simply lies some more and somehow throws Ariana under the bus at the same time. Later, he explains the very good reason that he chose to lie. I didn't come out and say it right away because I know there is no way that it would be a small thing to these girls. This is about you and Kristen. So, according to Tom, he lied about cheating on Kristen because he knew she and her friends would be mad at him about the truth. So it's pretty much their fault that he lied in the first place. 
And nine years later, this is an excuse he'll still be peddling at the season 10 reunion. It's just really hard for like all these people to just think that like we're the most evilest people ever and like we're like compulsive liars and like... I know. It's like, how do we not lie about this? It's like, how do we not lie about this? Not exactly a thought someone naturally inclined toward the truth would typically have. But the memory of Tom admitting that he's been lying to Kristen for months while also being mad at her for suspecting him of lying ultimately isn't what's lingered with Vanderpump fans all these years later. Not when it's revealed in the very next episode that the entire time Kristen was spinning out about whether Tom and Ariana had kissed behind a porta potty at Coachella, she was fully aware that she had previously initiated sex with Tom's best friend, Jax, while Tom was sleeping in the next room, while they were all watching the Ryan Gosling movie Drive at Tom and Kristen's apartment. It happened twice, not just once. The first time, Tom was asleep in the other room at Kristen's house. Jax and Kristen were on the couch watching Drive and she started going down on him. He returned the favor and they had sex while Tom was sleeping in the next room. So maybe the signs that Sandoval was capable of cheating on his partner of 10 years and lying to everyone in his life about it with ease were there from the beginning. But they were almost always masked by the other wilder players he surrounded himself with. And for nearly a decade, Sandoval was actually shielded by something even greater than Jax Taylor's self-diagnosed sex addiction or the blaring sounds of drive. Sandoval had the glowing protection of a woman who loved him. For nine years, Tom had Ariana. Until, of course, he didn't. These days, there's a popular warning born from true crime podcasts that if you're the kind of gal whose smile lights up a room, watch out, you're probably gonna get murdered. You've heard Keith Morrison say it a thousand times. The ultimate victim in any murder podcast is a sweet girl, a smiling girl, a girl who's done nothing wrong. But the ultimate victim of a scandal? Well, that's a cool girl. She doesn't light up every room she walks into. She calms it down, maybe offers it a cold martini, makes it feel special, elevates the vibes while also keeping them chill. Here's Andy Cohen after two seasons of histrionics from Stasi, Jax, Sandoval, and Kristen getting his first taste of Ariana Maddox's signature chill. Ariana, does it concern you knowing that Tom cheated on Kristen a few times? Does that make you doubt him in no. your relationship? No, none whatsoever. No. Why? I've been friends with him for three years. I know him really well. It's not a thing for me at all. And thus is the gift and the curse of being so very cool. Some things should be a thing, but not even cool girls can tell the future. In David Fincher's Gone Girl, anti-heroine Amy Dunn describes the cool girl method she used to snare her husband, who ultimately still cheated on her and pissed away all their money. Nick loved a girl I was pretending to be. 
cool girl. Men always use that, don't they, as their defining compliment. She's a cool girl. Cool girl is hot. Cool girl is gay. Cool girl is fun. Cool girl never gets angry at her man. She only smiles in a chagrin. Except from everything we can tell, Ariana isn't pretending. Which on the bright side means there's no breaking point where she entraps her philandering husband in a homicide investigation. Sorry, spoilers for 2014's Gone Girl. But more realistically, it means she's not perfect, even if she's about as close as it gets on reality TV. Most offensive to me is how she spent seasons two and three with a side part deep enough to make Gen Z weep and that frequently involves some sort of intricate French braid running across her forehead of all places. But of course, there are also those murky circumstances under which her relationship with Tom Sandoval started. She comes in as, you know, a bartender at Villa Blanca, season two, but they're transferring her to Sir. And there's that line where she's talking about Kristen. This is when, like, Kristen and Tom were, you know, on the outs. And she was like, I'm smarter than you. I'm prettier than you. I'm, like, better than you in every way. And I was like, damn, okay. And Because I felt for Kristen, too, you know, at the time, because Tom treated her like an, like a piece of shit, too. Amelia, like many people, didn't start watching Vanderpump Rules until this year, when Scandaval became a pop culture lightning rod, at which point she took in 10 years and 180-ish episodes of character development over the course of several weeks this spring. If our bosses are listening, there's really no need to crunch the numbers on that time frame, but it ultimately resulted in a crash course on Ariana Maddox and Tom Sandoval. And I had posted about it on Instagram and I had several people DM me being like, yeah, she she comes across as like a pick me in the beginning. But as the show goes on, she has like this really interesting arc and she becomes kind of like the most relatable, most likable person on the show. And it's interesting, too, because she she's kind of boring. But you can always count on her for, I think, giving a really good opinion. And so it was like starting off me being like, uh, like this girl is like kind of annoying to like, wow, Ariana is the best. She deserves everything. Fuck you, Tom Sandoval. And then you like once you really get connected to her and then you go back to all the stuff that's been happening, then that's where you get really pissed off. And indeed... In 2023, when Amelia was watching, people were pissed off, partially because of what Tom Sandoval had done with Raquel, but mostly because he'd done it to Ariana. Because at some point along the way, Ariana went from maybe trying to be a cool, effortless girlfriend to just being a cool person that the audience really liked. She cut her hair short, ditched her drastic side part, made good friends, wrote a book, and maybe didn't exactly settle into her own skin, but she just got comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes. And what's more relatable, but also aspirational than that? You know, the most defining Ariana storylines for me are the ones where she talks about her discomfort with her body and and how that also relates to like some discomfort with sex and just sort of her relationship to those two topics. And so I've always felt like she was much realer than Tom because like, I think at least for me, those issues really resonated. 
And I think that's just also like, you know, she's a woman. And I think she was speaking to, to like issues that a lot of women in different ways experience based on societal pressures and sort of, you know, a lot of the obvious factors. And whereas the audience all loved this open, real, and relatable Ariana, something in me feels like Tom missed the Ariana who tried a little harder, who lit up under his glow. Tom has, after all, always, always loved a cool girl. Here he is at the season two reunion talking about the time he sat by silently as Kristen confronted Ariana about the golden nugget kiss. The way that you handled that is like one of the coolest and hottest things I've ever seen a girl do. One of the coolest, hottest things Tom had ever seen was his current girlfriend getting yelled at by his ex-girlfriend while he came to exactly neither of their defenses. And say what you will about Kristen Doty in the early seasons. Say you're smarter than her, prettier than her, have a better forehead braid than her. But the woman could be as self-aware as she was self-destructive. This is her unraveling to Ariana of all people about her toxic relationship with Tom. Jealous, I was insecure. I was like totally petrified that he wasn't like into me. Like he was like into you and I'm like, I'm not a fun girlfriend anymore. Like. Like, she's fun, and, like, she's so chill, and she's what I was five years ago. Like, that's what I'm so afraid of. She's what I was five years ago. Unknowingly, Kristen had identified a pattern in her soon-to-be ex-boyfriend, Tom. A pattern he would ultimately refine for five years with Kristen and 10 years with Ariana and was only just getting started with on Raquel when his true aptitude for deception was finally exposed, splashed across podcast charts and the public consciousness for all to see. It was the pattern of someone who idealized a woman and then punished her when she no longer met the idealized expectations he'd created. Who made that punishment seem like her fault for not noticing it sooner. Who explained to himself and eventually to others that he cheated because the relationship was over, because it was toxic, because he wasn't getting laid. But Tom could never explain why he wouldn't just end it himself. Why he sought out his next victim in secret rather than just breaking up with the husk of the cool girl he'd created. But it turns out that this time, he'd played his pattern on the wrong girl at the wrong time with the wrong audience. I asked people over and over what made Scandaval such a perfect pop culture lightning rod. Why we cared about it as much as we did, for as long as we did, with the visual aid of as many TikTok timelines and PDFs and Reddit posts as we had. And they told me over and over again, it's these people. They're 10 years spent with one another, but also our 10 years spent watching them. Here's Chelsea Stark-Jones and I working our way through it. People cheat all the time. People cheat mm-hmm. on reality TV all the time. Vanderpump Rules especially is like founded on cheating, cheating on reality TV. It started with an affair. It will end with an affair, I'm sure. So like, what do you think made this news 
so big and so unbelievable and like so all-consuming that it eventually really went into like the greater culture outside of just reality TV. I honestly think it's the players that were involved. So we have Tom Sandoval, I never really thought was a genuine human being. And he always placed himself on a pedestal of like, look how great I am. Look what, like how, how much of a moral person I am. Um, and to me, that was always his, his MO. Like this guy that is just so virtuous and like always on the right side of things. So to see him do something that was so toxic and wrong and um, immoral was not much of a shock, but just very like, you know, your true colors are coming out. Then it being Ariana, who is universally well-liked on the show. She has not had one bad season. She's been open about her mental health struggles, her body image struggles, her toxic ex-boyfriend. She has been so forthcoming with us about everything going on in her life. And she's never really been the villain ever. And then as we said, Raquel, she was someone that was so unassuming, so... Bambi-eyed, just like very innocent seeming. So to see that it was with her was strange. And then to also understand the dynamics of the relationships that they each have with one another, like Ariana was a close friend to Raquel. She was supportive to Raquel. And to be completely honest, Raquel probably would not have still been on the show had it not been for her relationship with Ariana and Sheena. And so you've kind of bit the hand that fed you. So it was just all really, really like a mind fuck, essentially, of how could this seemingly nice and innocent girl do this to this really nice and like supportive friend of hers, all the while the boyfriend of 10 plus years is just the sleaziest of sleaze who, who has always been like, I've never cheated. A perfectly toxic triangle of shared history, and we were part of it. Watching with our noses and fingers pressed against the screen, finally able to harness our self-appointed roles as chronicler and consumer, the public and the probe, the enemy and the friend. For an audience who loved her, Ariana Maddox became the perfect victim to rally behind, to support, to say, how could Tom have done this to Ariana? And opposite her, a soon-to-be ex-boyfriend who actually looks like the kind of cartoon villain who would twirl his mustache while tying a woman to train tracks. A person who, after 10 years of watching him climb up his own self-appointed pedestal, we'd all just been waiting to watch fall off of it. And opposite him, an unexpected co-conspirator and the future possessor of a conspicuously timed cool girl haircut, Raquel Levis. Or should I say... Rachel. That's next time on An American Scandal. This podcast 
podcast was reported and written by me, Jody Walker. The executive producers are Juliet Littman and Sean Finnessy. Our story editor is Andrew Gretadaro. The show was produced by Kaya McMullen and Vikram Patel. Copy editing by Helena Hunt. Fact-checking by Kellen Beacoats. Sound design by Kaya McMullen. Mixing and mastering by Scott Somerville. The music in this series is from Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. Art direction and illustration by David Shoemaker. Special thanks to Chelsea Stark-Jones and Steve Allman. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.